1: Welcome back and happy November 16th, 2020. Something came up Friday on the show I'd been turning over in my head. There are those now among us somewhat dejected or depressed, to put it no higher, at the trending agreement and result with the presidential election trending. What's the use of politics if this happens? They ask. That's the question. We can talk about the question, and we will. But if we ask the question, loaded as it is, we have the moral obligation to answer it as well. Let's frame it this way. What's the use of politics or getting involved if the other side is always going to win? Then it becomes incumbent upon us to ask if we can live with consigning all our our positions and opinions to defeat, doesn't it? Working in reverse, can we live with consigning all our positions and opinions to defeat? I don't think so. We may have to occasionally accept retail setbacks and defeats while working on our wholesale supply chain, perhaps. But if we don't, if we give up, if we consign and resign ourselves to minority status with a what's the use attitude, we consign ourselves and our fellow countrymen to a certain permanent left wing oppression. We did not do that when Bill Clinton won the presidency. We did not do that when. Barack Obama won the presidency, and goodness knows we did not do it at all after the FDR presidency. Four terms of Roosevelt being elected did put conservatism in the dock and on the lam, but there was a concerted effort after it concluded that said stop. Of course, you know I mean the founding of National Review and the arriving of William Buckley on the political scene. Now, I know National Review has fallen into some disfavor of late, but that's not really the point. The point was, if we wanted to stop more of the New Deal and all the progressivism FDR and the strongest Democratic Party in history were imposing on this nation, if we wanted to stop the cornering of the political market by progressivism, we had to open up a competing store. And the modern conservative movement was thus born. Born, not grown, born. Not adult, not victorious, birthed. We rallied behind the Goldwater movement in the early 1960s and I was reminded of this watching a special on the Reagans last night. Politically, it was just Goldwater and Reagan basically harnessing the energy of the movement and it was a big deal to get Goldwater nominated in 1964. Gosh knows there were other options from Rockefeller to Romney. But that victory, internal victory we should call it, cast a great deal of doubt about the conservative cause because of the general election victory loss to LBJ. We then experienced what would be our constant and continued experience, the experience of being kicked in the head or the teeth by the moderates after every battle. The battle, I have to say, they too infrequently join. And to put it illustratively, George Romney walked out of the 1964 convention when Goldwater was nominated. Goldwater would never walk out of a convention where Romney nominated. We find too much of that today, too. The moderates in our party did not support the conservative cause over the past four years. They constantly and continually derided it, even giving financial and media help to the Democrats. We would never do that to their nominee. In truth, some of them were even not so moderate, but instead suffered from some sort of self-inflated sense of moral superiority, To not join what they considered a vulgar leader or a vulgar crowd. The alternative, of course, would be, as we understand and long understood, the vulgarization of the country. That is what we conservatives fight. What is an empowered entertainment industry and social media industry and mainstream media industry, if not exceedingly vulgar? What are the life and health policies of the left, if not exceedingly vulgar? What is the re-racialization of society, if not exceedingly vulgar? What is the downgraded and emasculated sense of patriotism and country, if not exceedingly vulgar? What is the censorship and the vitiation of constitutional rights, if not exceedingly vulgar? What is physical brute force and anarchy and violence on behalf of one party against another on the streets of the nation's capital, no less, if not exceedingly vulgar? That is all the service of our fellow Republicans and conservatives not on board with our cause. That's what they contributed to, that vulgarity, those vulgarities. I hope they are happy and I hope they are proud. It will not be good for our country. But that's just a departure. Back to my main point, we didn't give up after Goldwater in 64. We listened to the more moderate among us and took Nixon. There were other options in 1968. Reagan himself was offered as one and offered himself as one for a brief moment. And with Nixon, we got China, we got OSHA, we got the EPA, we got Affirmative Action, we got Roe v. Wade via his Supreme Court nominee, Harry Blackmun, and of course we got Woodward and Bernstein. Nearly so tarnished was the GOP name and brand by the time Nixon was done with it. That there was even an effort in nineteen seventy-four after our trouncing to rename the party. But the man who would not give up, Ronald Reagan, did not give up. He spoke to and he spoke to an eerily similar moment. It was at the Conservative Political Action Conference in nineteen seventy-five, saying this quote: It is easy for us to be discouraged as pundits hail. That last election as a repudiation of our philosophy and even as a mandate of some kind or other. He continued quote, Can we live with ourselves if we, as a nation, bet- betray our friends and ignore our pledge to the world? And if we do, who would ever trust us again? To consider committing such an act so contrary to our deepest ideals is symptomatic of the erosion of standards and values. And this adds to our discontent. We did not seek world leadership, it was thrust on us. It has been our destiny almost from the first moment this land was settled. If we fail to keep our rendezvous with destiny, or as John Winthrop said in 1630, deal falsely with our God, we shall be made a story and a byword throughout the world. Americans are hungry to feel once again a sense of mission and greatness. I don't know about you, but I am impatient with those Republicans who, after the last election, rushed into print saying, we must broaden the base of our party, Reagan put it, when what they meant was not to broaden the party, but to fuzz up and blur even more the differences between ourselves and our opponents. Our people look for a cause to believe in. Is it a third party we need, he asked, or is it a new and revitalized second party? raising a banner of no pale pastels but bold colors which make it unmistakably clear where we stand in all the issues troubling the people, he asked. Well, he went on to run for president the following year, 1976, came really close to getting the nomination and lost it to Jerry Ford, who was custom-made from the Romney-Rockefeller wing of the party. Indeed, Jerry Ford even made Nelson Rockefeller his vice president. Conservatives were saddened dejected. And what did Ronald Reagan do? Why, he took to the radio, he took to the speech and campaign circuit, and he took on Bob Dole and George H.W. Bush and Howard Baker in 1979 and 1980, and he won the primaries and became a two-term president. It was said that in 1964, Barry Goldwater ran for president, and 16 years later, the votes were finally counted. But of course, Reagan, as great as he was, was not perfect, Put not your faith in princes. And we did not emanitize conservatism up and down and throughout the party. And George H.W. Bush, who criticized that vision thing, yielded us pastels that could not paint over the bold colors of the Clintons. And it took us a while to find that painter again, didn't it? I don't mean to gloss over George W. Bush, but there is a reason we look back as conservatives to the presidency of Ronald Reagan. And not very much at all to the presidency of George W. Bush, whose people and he himself would not only would not help us with Donald Trump and did everything they could to help the Democrats in defeating him, which was truly just defeating us. In nineteen sixty four, Ronald Reagan warned, quote, Our natural, unalienable rights are now considered to be a dispensation of government. And freedom has never been so fragile, so close to slipping from our grasp as it is at this moment, close quote. He was right then, and it's become worse now, much worse. But we cannot go on as just a political movement. And I think I shall never again say we are a political or ideological movement, we conservatives. I'd rather we start thinking of ourselves and calling ourselves a teaching movement or an education movement as I said Friday, you cannot expect a moderate, much less center right country when our high schools and colleges churn out together about 8 million graduates a year, about 4 million from each, most indoctrinated in a leftist or 1619 view of America. How do you keep a country centered, moderate, much less center right, when they're churning out 8 million a year? Consider that millions and millions of indoctrinates put into the real world of America. And all that entails, be it the military business, further education, but certainly politics every single year. And those indoctrinates have spent 12 to 16 years being molded into their worldview, history, and the view of this country. We see conservatism and think common sense. The schools see conservatism and they see a series of thoughts that are unwelcome to be censored, to be wiped away and shamed. We see America and think beauty and natural rights and opportunity and freedom and equality and greatness. The schools see America as a long trail of abuses where misery is the beginning and success is the exception. Where guilt is the established or assumed and default emotion. We are not just combating ideology here. We are combating psychology As well, an ideology wedded to a psychology, that's a toxic confluence. That's a lot to push against. That's a lot to try to address. But we do have something in our favor, truth. It needs its armaments and allies and articulators, but I'm still convinced it's far better to have truth on your side than lies, no matter how strong the enforcements and troops on the other side Reagan did not give into it in 1964, 1968, or 1976. Donald Trump did not in 2016 or since, and neither shall we. We cannot. As Ronald Reagan put it in 1975 at CPAC, he concluded his speech this way, We will maintain whatever level of strength is necessary to preserve our free way of life. A political party cannot be all things to all people. It must represent certain fundamental beliefs which must not be compromised to, to political expediency or simply to swell its numbers. I do not believe I have proposed anything that is contrary to what has been consider- considered Republican principle. It is at the same time the very basis of conservatism, and it is time to reassert that principle and raise it to full view. And if there are those who cannot subscribe to these principles, then let them go their way. I'm Seth Leapson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 6025080960. Hope you had a great weekend. Right off the bat, we got our friend Smitty in Scottsdale. Hi, Smitty. Hello there.
0: How
1: are you? I'm well. How are you?
2: I'm well also, all things considered. Yeah,
1: tough year, huh?
2: <laughs> so let's let, let, let's talk about election fraud. I've had this discussion with some of my liberal friends who are in a hurry to have Trump concede. And it goes like this. And I think, you know, in the in the scheme of things in the presidential election with three to five million votes, a popular vote difference, it's hard for people to understand the issue. But let's go at it this way. Do we agree that some dead people voted in this election? I think everybody agrees. Do we agree that some people who um, no longer live in a state but got a ballot in the wide balloting, sold out a ballot, and mailed it in? I think we can agree that happened. Um do we agree that in the case of maybe some ballot harvesting, some characters filled out some ballots for other people, submitted those? I think we've got affidavits that that happened in Nevada. So we, we know that each one of these things happened. People voted that didn't have a right to vote. Maybe they were illegal. So all of these are fraud. I think we all agree. So the question is, how much fraud do you want to tolerate or could be tolerated in an election. Now if it all occurred in New York City, I think we'd all agree no 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 harm no foul. But we do know that there are areas with tighter races, senate races. And yeah, maybe in a particular senate race it makes a difference and now we have a now we have a senate balance 51-49 it makes a big difference. So I think the question is how much fraud do you want to tolerate? Well, it depends Well, the answer is you never know when it's going to make a difference. So you can't really tolerate it, can you? And that's the argument.
1: I think it's a really good argument. And not only do I think it's a really good argument, isn't this effectively or essentially um, the argument Hillary Clinton was making uh, about two months ago when she said Joe Biden should not concede Under any circumstances, I have the quote here. Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstances, but think because I think this is going to drag out. And eventually I do believe he will win if we don't give an inch. And if we are focused and relentless as the other side, we've got to have a massive legal operation. I know the Biden campaign is working on that. Uh, Is is there any difference between what's happening now and what she told us should happen if the result went the other way?
2: Yeah, but I don't think she was focused on, oh, well, the there's going to be massive Republican-generated fraud in the election, and we'll have to have all of our lawyers sort through it. Um, I think it's more or less that she expected a lot of litigation from the Republican side, at, or, or you know what? I don't I can't well, even Well, think about it this her, way, but think mind.
1: about it though in a, in a in a way though. She said Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstances. So she's assuming a Trump win because because I think this is going to drag out and eventually I do believe he will win if we don't give an inch and if we are focused and relentless as the other side, we've got to have a massive legal operation.
2: And I think that is in the context of her knowing that there's a massive fraud operation going on as well.
0: It could be. I I mean, it could be. But
2: I think I I think just
1: taking her on her own words, I think I think she's assuming that the only way Trump wins is due to fraud. That Trump Hmm. can only. That's how I read it. Joe, Do we have that audio bill still from last week? Hillary Clinton. Yeah, I remember.
2: I remember what she was. Joe Biden should not concede.
1: So that that assumes that she's thinking Donald Trump wins wrongfully. Because I think this is going to drag out and eventually I do believe he will win, which is what Trump thinks now. Right. With the shoe uh, on the other foot. But we've got to have a massive legal operation.
2: It's possible, but I think, given the timing of when she said what she said, and the fact that the uh, Democrat machine in a number of states, starting in the summertime, were changing the rules and court. They were going to court and getting judges to change the rules, and they were going at the mass mailing. Yeah, I, 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 I think that. It was more, and like I said, I can't help but attribute a criminal mentality to uh, what generated the utterance. Uh, Listen, nobody
1: appreciates that as much as I, I, or at least let me just say I appreciate that. But you are unfolding an argument with Democrats, and if we're going to have that argument with Democrats, can't we just say we're not doing anything different than what Hillary Clinton told Joe Biden to do?
0: Oh just, well,
2: no doubt, but I yeah. think they, you know, the 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 double standard and shoe is on the other foot hasn't carried the day in the last four years. Okay. So I think,
0: but
1: logic will. You have to, you have to <laughs> ta- okay. Yeah, you have
2: to you have to take it simply to simple minded people who just don't understand what's going on. And how and, much you know, fraud are you willing people.
1: to accept? Is your point?
2: And and the, and knowing that you don't know when it's going to matter, when right. and where it's going to matter. Right. Like in New York City, it, yeah, you want to... Yeah, right, we don't care. Right, 10,000 10, like hey, votes hey, in New York
1: in Manhattan means nothing to us. But you've
2: got one district in New Hampshire, you've right. got one district in the in Nebraska, you've got Alaska, you've got the small places where there are a small spread of votes turned out in Wisconsin and some districts in, in Michigan. Yeah, I mean, with
1: 22,000 votes in Pennsylvania, it could matter. Yeah, I take the point. I take and, it. And,
2: Exactly. So so since you don't know what the tolerance is, where it makes a difference. Yeah. Ask how much. Yeah.
1: How much are you willing to accept if you thought it might make a difference? Yeah. It's a good point. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. 34 After the Hour gives us our culture and economy update with the great John Dombrowski from Grand Canyon Planning Associates. Grandplan- GrandCanyonPlanning.com is the website. Easy for me to say, JD, how are you?
2: Good. You were, you were on a roll there for I, a minute. I, I was
1: oh, you were, close. You were like, I almost yeah. got to the end of that sentence without pulling a Biden.
3: <laughs> hey, uh, it's called Pulling easier. a Biden, yeah? Nin- 1959.
1: What you happened know. in 19... Today. What the happened? The Sound
3: of Music was uh, first... It opened.
1: No kidding.
3: Yeah. Huh. Well, that's, that, I love that. I love the movie. I never saw the uh, play, but I don't know if you... Uh, I'm sure you saw the movie.
1: John, I, I've seen neither.
3: Oh, well, Julie Andrews. Great movie. I
1: know. I Gotta need to. I know. The
3: Sound of Music Hills are alive, right? Yes. Anyway,
1: sir. sorry. That's Breaking. okay. That's Okay. All right, so we have a big... No, it's good. This is culture. You're giving me culture. So, (laughs) uh, Dow and S&P go through the roof today. Not so much NASDAQ. Talk to me about this.
3: Well, I mean, we talked about that rotation, right, uh, out of different sectors of the market. Yeah. And we did see the NASDAQ was up 94 points today, but the Dow was the big winner today at 470 points, and the S&P was up 41. So, both of those indexes were really... uh, we're uh, making new highs today. Um, you know, the Dow is approaching 30,000 also, which would be a milestone, of course, for the Dow. But we don't want to get caught in the numbers on that. I uh, Except it's an interesting thing. I talk about that rotation, but, gosh, I, I still feel that technology long-term is going to be a place to be. And, and that should be a place where, depending on your risk tolerance and your time horizon – uh, in your portfolio, technology should still play a role in that don 't let these gyrations going on in the markets make you do something that uh, long term may may affect your portfolio where you
1: put all your chips in the middle on one hand is that what 's known as cyclical investing or cyclical stocks or is that yes well okay. that's
3: that 's what 's happening right now okay. yes we 're seeing a rotation uh, out of certain sectors into others. And it's it's driven by, you know, the economy and driven by the news of the uh, Moderna who came out today talking about their, uh, their trials have been 94% mm-hmm. effective, which yep. is fantastic, right. you know, against COVID-19. So here's a second player uh, in the arena for vaccines. And it looks like there's going to be uh, a few others that should be reporting soon that their vaccines may be ready as well. So Uh, This is positive for the economy, which then, of course, in turn is positive for the markets.
1: Now, a story popped up uh, on my screen that I wanted to ask you about. It's something I don't think I've ever asked you, but I've always wondered about this when they put out Something like this headline, Warren Buffett's Berkshire makes new bets on drug stocks and T-Mobile, sells some Apple and JP Morgan. Not necessarily just about Warren Buffett, but about any big time successful investor when there's news about what a successful investor is doing. How seriously should we take that or do we think not as much because he's We who knows what he's basing his info and, 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 and investment on?
3: Well, I mean, I think, you know, Warren Buffett has been an icon yeah. as an investor for many, many decades, and people take notice to what he does. Uh, he's made some uh, very good moves uh, over the years. He's made a few moves maybe a little earlier than maybe people expected on some of his uh, rotations, yeah, right, and right. some of his uh, in his uh, investment sectors that he's investing in. But, um, you know, he's 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 got his reasons for what he does. He's very heavily invested in some of these companies. Maybe now is a time he's thinking is a good time to take some of the profits that he's seen. And, you know, investing, I talk about investing with a purpose mm-hmm. and knowing when, uh, you know, you have a plan and when to sell a specific stock or because he invests in individual stocks. Right. Uh, that uh, there's nothing um, unusual as to what he's doing. Uh, and I think people, uh, if you watch some of the moves he's made long-term, though he's always been a long-term investor, yeah, right. uh, he's usually uh, done very well. But okay. recently he hasn't performed as well as... Uh, He has over in the
1: past. I remember as a kid uh, someone saying, watch what Charles Schwab does, you know. There's another one, Charles Schwab, sure. Right, So I was just – I was always wondering – I was always curious about that, and I've never asked you how closely we should watch what some of these icons
3: do. One thing, Seth, remember this is that they are announcing the changes that he has made over the past month uh, so this is uh, not something that just happened yeah, today
1: ah uh, fair enough so fair, fair enough. enough by the time we it. hear it yeah okay exactly <laughs> thank you jd <laughs> you bet securities and advisory
3: services offered to client one securities LLC, a member of finran civic and an investment advisor grand canyon planning associates LLC, and client one securities LLC are not affiliated talk tomorrow no that
1: was good info yeah keep in mind that's a 30 <laughs> day that's 30 days late to us john dombrowski or longer yeah, right? yeah or longer okay grand canyon yeah. planning see you later we'll be right back Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 6025080960. Paul is in Gilbert. Hello, Paul. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Oh, great. Uh,
4: well, you know, I have to
1: kind of couch that. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's not, it's, we're not on offense exactly. We might be, but we're, we, we might be about to, but we're not there right now.
4: Uh, that was a really great monologue. Oh, by the way, thank you. I really liked it a lot. Thank you. Um, but I want to ask you a question here. Um, what did you think of Ed Snowden?
1: I didn't like him.
4: Okay. What you think? I thought of he Julian was a traitor.
1: Assange?
4: Sure, sure. That's that's a fairer a fairer analysis. What do you think of Julian Assange? Same. Okay. Now, what's interesting about this is I, I work. I've I've worn a lot of different hats, just to say that much. And, you know, working in computers and that kind of thing, that was a really big thing. Yep. Um, getting Vault 7, you bet. talking about the NSA spying and all that stuff. But, you know, when we look at voting versus surveillance, you know, people look at surveillance and they figure, well, I have nothing to hide, so I have nothing to worry right, about.
1: Right, right, right.
4: Right. With voting, I have no power. Right. And the, the thing about it is, though, technically, there is no difference between the two. Okay. What I mean is the technological power to surveil and to eavesdrop and to correct, get metadata is the same as being able to log into a server in real or a voting machine tabulation system in real time and change the results.
1: Yeah, I was talking to – I'll let you finish in a second, but just to bolster your point, I was talking to someone in the software uh, business of data and tracking and that sort of thing, and she said it's it's easy, fairly easy, to change a lot of data without a lot of people knowing.
4: Well, and here's the one thing that happened in uh, – I believe it was Detroit. They had a whole bunch of routers, wireless routers, all over the place. And I've gone on social media and put out black diagrams of Dominion systems and all and how they're hooked up. They don't specify anything like that. So there is a here's the problem: with a flash drive, in five seconds, you can reprogram the machine and have no evidence of anything. Okay. And so, unless they actually secure these systems. And disconnect it from the internet so they can do a forensic audit on it. No, it's like, the, it's like it never happened.
1: Okay. That's and is the there not problem. a chain of any kind of awareness or custody of reporting results and data that would? Aha. Uh-huh. Okay.
4: That's perfect. But one problem: we yeah. have no time.
1: Uh huh. Okay.
4: You see, so they know and then we have to we have to subpoena and get the source code then they have to demonstrate to a judge in front of the judge and even if you could replicate it okay my point was let's say i take a sharpie right yeah and i okay so i go to a polling place and the day before a family member went in he marked a ballot with the felt tip pen i go in there same polling place i get a sharpie they tell me hey guess what you know, uh, you can't push down very hard. Well, what happens then if, when the, the ballot goes through the system, you think it takes it, but there's just a little incremental error that takes you and takes your ballot because they knew it was going to be more heavily Republican on the day of and sends it off to La La Land or to a server someplace for them to, to peruse through later. What I'm saying is there are so many ways to manipulate the system, it's mind-boggling. And when you look at the code and when you look how many, they actually – do you realize the votes are not actual? They're weighted. So they have – the votes are actually in percentages.
1: So here's here's where we sit as of now, as I understand it. Did you watch Sidney uh, Powell's interview yesterday? or Oh, yesterday? I I,
4: I – I, Yes. Okay. So
1: according to Sidney Powell, for those that don't know, she's one of the lead attorneys representing the Trump campaign and made her name famous representing Michael Flynn. She said that there will be enough evidence to show that by millions of votes, not hundreds of thousands, millions of votes, Donald Trump won this election. Do you believe that?
4: Oh, yeah. I think it's easy to do. The problem is, with the media shutting everything down, do the people believe it?
1: Well, the real thing is have, that, that's, that's a level of analysis, and I think what she has set up is a level of expectation that has true. to make the people, the level of analysis that the people's belief, rise to it. And that, that's obviously right. going to have to be done in, in a court of law first. But she set up a very high expectation that you are not surprised by, which is um, interesting, because if she's right, then the evidence will be so clear and convincing that the people should see it and accept it.
4: Well, what really got my attention, honestly, was the IT consultant that happened to go to the Antifa meeting on Michelle Malcolm's video. You see that Coomer guy—I think that's his name—was this? He was he was dropping into a conversation with a whole bunch of anti FOP people to get some journalists so that he could write some stuff about it. And guess who turns out? The, uh, turns up is the VP of security for Dominion Systems, bragging that Trump will not become elected. Well, and in, this, yeah, this was ahead. in this was in January, and he had forgotten about it. And after the election a friend of his DM'd him or texted him and he realized it was the same guy. So we went through and he took screenshots. So being curious about this guy, he started doing forensics on him, got went to his social media, collected screenshots. You probably are aware of this, correct?
1: I'm not, but it doesn't matter because it doesn't matter. What matters well, it doesn't well, matter unless he, unless here, here's right.
4: what it's interesting. He, was allied, he is allied with Ant, uh, Antifa, okay? And he is one of the head programmers. He holds all the patents for the software for Dominion Systems and about three or four other major voting systems in America, okay? He is very powerful. He's a nuclear physicist and a coder, and, and he was VP of security. So when somebody is going out there and making such bold assertions on... Social media. And if you see some of these posts, it will it got my attention. So I started to dig. Right. Because until you really start to see, you you know, this is all just pie in the sky stuff until you get evidence.
1: Right. Well, yes and no. I mean, it might be it, it, it might be evidence. It might be evidence that leads to proof. But this is when I when I said it doesn't matter that I don't know what I mean is it matters that Sidney Powell can prove it. That's what matters. Agreed. 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 And, you know, to the degree that you she has set the expectation. We'll play the audio if you want. You saw it, though. She has set the expectation so high. And if that is the expectation, if she doesn't meet it or come within, you know, something very close of meeting it, then it doesn't matter. It just won't matter. And if she can't prove it, it won't matter. Um. But to the degree that she felt comfortable saying it. Great. Now let's see the goods. She said she has enough evidence. It's like a fire coming at her like a fire hose. All right. Let's see it. We'll see it. All right. Thank you, Paul. We'll be right back. If you didn't see the Joe Biden press conference today, two things were well, four things were interesting. I'll do two of them later Two now. One is um, for about 10 minutes, he's standing there talking without his mask on, but in his hands going back and forth from hand to hand, putting it on the podium, taking it up, picking it up, waving it around. This is exactly the wrong way to handle a mask for the guy who wants to impose a mask mandate. You're going to take a mask mandate from a guy who has no idea what he's doing with a mask. You know, just getting stuff all over it, all over it as he's coughing into his hand as well, which he always does. He never took the Jake Tapper lesson on how to properly cough. I don't mean to beat up on him, but maybe he should know how to use a mask and how a mask. I mean, weren't we told weren't we told that it was the president and the way he handled the mask issue that was so um, so endangering to so many Americans? He didn't handle it like this. He didn't he didn't. Show you how to make your mask unhealthy, basically, is what Joe Biden did. The other thing he said is if you don't wear a mask, if we, he said if we all wear masks, we can prevent 100,000 deaths before January. Is that anywhere close to possibly even being infinitesimally credible? If we all wore masks, we could save up to a hundred thousand lives before january philadelphia just went into a new lockdown do you see this bill banning all indoor gatherings outside of family banning all indoor they have had a mask mandate one of the toughest mask mandates in the country requiring masking outside even what okay you take my point greg is in scottsdale hi greg
0: Hey Seth, um, no Bob Dylan and no Sound of Music. Come on, man. Well, I Uh,
1: know, I know. I I do admit I have some cultural lacunae.
0: So, just real quick, Lady Gaga, who's obviously a liberal, but if you want to see something, somebody singing the Sound of Music in the modern day, uh, go look that up. It's phenomenal.
1: Or I could put a pen in my eye. (laughs) Okay. Or ear. Is Um, that what I need to do? Sound of Music. (laughs) Now? I know we're supposed so, to like the Swiss and all, but
0: Well, hey, that's not obviously the reason I called. Okay. Well,
1: maybe. Well, go ahead. Whatever you got. You got my attention.
0: Okay. So I'm gonna list a few things, Seth, and 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 then I'll have a point to do. All right. I got to um, hit a
1: break. You want to do it quick or you want to wait and do it with me and Brandon Weikert? Your choice. Oh,
0: I'll, I'll wait and do it with you. A little All bit. right,
1: you bet. You're going to do a list on what? Election fraud stuff?
0: Election fraud okay. stuff and, and some of the other things. Okay. I,
1: um, All right, that's good. We'll be yeah. right back with right. Brandon Weikert and, Weikert, and we'll do it together. That's fine if you don't mind holding. I'm Seth. We'll be right back.